there, I'm Dr. Amy King, otherwise known as Dr. Amy, and this podcast is the most important medicine. If you're a professional who wants to have a greater impact in the lives of children and families by building resilience, this podcast is for you. Join us to become a trauma-informed champion by nurturing connections through relational health to help kids and families thrive. Every time you join me, you'll hear practical information and leave with tangible tools you can use every day. Hey friends, I am thrilled today to have my friend and colleague and special guest today, Haley Runnels. She is an author, she is a speaker, she is an advocate, and she is a social media powerhouse. She has an incredible group called The Undone Mama, and she also has a group regarding um, daughters recovering from, Haley, help me out, narcissistic relationships? Uh, Dysfunctional family. Dysfunctional family. Thank you. As you all know, November is about boundaries. And I couldn't think of anybody better than my friend Haley to come on and talk about what it's like to create some of these boundaries. But first, let me just pause. And Haley, why don't you just introduce yourself, tell the listeners who you are and what you're up to lately. Okay. So um, I'm Haley Reynolds. Like she said, um, I started writing on my own personal account about Gosh, it's been eight or 10 years ago now, um, just sharing bits and pieces of my story. Uh, I survived a dysfunctional childhood, and I know what it's like to be um, a child who's not properly cared for, and then growing as an adult into a mother and breaking some of those cycles, reparenting, healing. And as I shared on my personal account, a lot of my friends started saying, you need to write publicly so I made a Facebook page halfway to appease them. And halfway is like an outlet for me, which turned out to be amazing. And over the years, it has really taken off. I knew I wasn't alone in what's happened to me, but I didn't realize just how prevalent um, childhood wounds are. And so I try to share my story and um, just things I've learned along the way that might help other people. And that has naturally just grown and it's kind of uh, snowballed into what I devote most of my life to. And I love doing it. So I, I feel like I um, have kind of taken my trauma and made something meaningful out of it. Um, that is both rewarding and healing, not only to myself, but to other people. So I can't think of anything I'd rather be doing. Oh my gosh. And, and to say that it's healing to other people, I think is an understatement. I follow both your personal and your professional blog pages. And I would say the healing that you put out into the world, Haley, I just see how your audience responds to the validation and support that they get. It's so beautiful. Um, Can you, you used a couple of phrases that maybe we could define a little bit more before we jump into boundaries. And um, the first one is that you talked about not feeling properly cared for or childhood wounds. Would you just give listeners some examples of either your stories or stories that you hear from your community about what comes up for people? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, the range is tremendous because a lot of people tend to tell themselves that physical abuse or sexual abuse are the only types of trauma. And they're absolutely not. Um, Emotional neglect is abuse in itself. And so if you have a parent or parents that you didn't connect with and you were uh, 
left feeling like you had missing pieces or you had to parent yourself in some way. I mean, you could have good people as parents and still have childhood wounds that you need to work on because the truth is that childhood wounds don't stay in our childhood. They follow us into every room we enter for our entire lives. So if we try to rug sweep, sweep them or push them, push them down or aside, it's going to come out in other ways. Um, one of my favorite books, which I have no relation to this book, but The Body Keeps the Score um, is an amazing book for anybody who has physical ailments after trauma. Um, I would say that's the book that benefited me the most if anyone's looking for light reading. But uh, I would say enlightening reading. Um, but yeah, and then so some other examples would be you know, maybe you had to emotionally parent one of your parents. Your parent treated you like a therapist or a best friend, or in some cases, a spouse. Um, if you had to fill the gap for a single parent or take on things that you shouldn't have been responsible for as a child, um, parent a sibling. Sometimes uh, we see financial trauma where adult children were or are still being controlled uh, with strings by finances from their family or were hindered by finances from their family. But for example, um, in my own story, my identity was stolen through my social security number. And so that gave me a horrible first few steps into my 20s because I had to repair credit damage from my identity being falsely used. Um, so that's another example. There's tons of things. And not only that, those are big things. That's a really big thing. But I just want to say, as we're going into November and the holidays, where um, things can be stressful, even in the healthiest families, right? Getting together with family you haven't seen all year, or you only see a couple times a year, rounding up the kids, figuring out who's doing the cooking besides, being in one kitchen together, all these things, as fun as they can be, are also exhausting, right? So we need boundaries whether it no matter what whether they're tiny and just per, affect you personally or whether you have to hold a bubble around yourself and so I'd love to talk about the range of that going over the holidays and see if we can't help a few people today yeah you know what you're essentially giving words to is so much of the emotional weight that we carry right and so I know as listeners are hearing your voice they're like oh my gosh that's me I did caretaking for my parent, or I did caretaking as if I was their friend or their partner or an equal peer. And actually I was just six or eight or 12. And right. so I think a lot of the messaging that you give on your, um, in your group is letting them, first of all, acknowledge that is hurtful, mm -hmm. but that's not fair or appropriate or developmentally appropriate for a child to go through. And I think sometimes that's the first time people hear that and feel acknowledged in that space. A hundred percent. And especially when you're, if you're, if you are in a dysfunctional family, you're never going to have those feelings validated. So you're grown up taught that you're overreacting or this is normal or whatever. So a lot of times when people stumble into my group, it might be the first time someone ever tells them that wasn't your responsibility on a number of things, you know? And so, oh, and another big one around the holidays is like, for example, um, I had to be the emotionally mature person in my household, point blank. Um, 
I had a sibling that was not, I had a mother that was not emotionally stable. And so it fell on me because if I ever showed any sense of sadness, frustration, anger, anxiety, anything not positive, then it would magnify in them, mm-hmm. in my, and so, um, if you were the emotional, uh, mascot for your family, you know, then that is another form of trauma and, uh, or childhood wounds, I would say. And it's important as we go into the holiday season that we allow ourselves to feel whatever feelings we're feeling about getting together or whether we need extra rest around this time of year. And there's a number of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> I just want to encourage everyone to take care of themselves as we go into it because, well, it's cliche, but you know the saying, you can't pour from an empty cup and put your own oxygen mask on first. That is so true when it comes to the overgiving and the over-sacrifice that the holidays entail, especially for mothers, people who have to commute to their family, people who have to take off work, you know, it goes on and on. We need personal boundaries to take care of ourselves so that we don't become completely run down. So I want to name something for people because, you know, the podcast theme for November is about boundaries and we are entering the holidays. And I think one thing that people confuse sometimes, Haley, is, you know, that if I am excited about the holidays, I can't also be exhausted by them. If my family kind of pulls out all of my energy, it means that I don't love them in some capacity. And I, what I try to help people all the time with is embracing the and, right? You can love your family and need to take care of yourself. You can, right? So. In fact, I would even say it's hard. It's hard to do any healing at all without being able to hold two things at the same time. Mm. Because. Any boundary is going to come with some kind of sacrifice or some kind of pushback. You're going to have feelings of relief for yourself and feelings of guilt for maybe maybe disappointing someone around you or, you know, it can be a combination of anything, but, but we can hold more than one thing at once. In fact, we can hold five different emotions at once and simultaneously, you know, and I was not taught that as a child. I was taught it had to be all one way. And if I had any negative feeling about anything, then that was it, you know? And so one of the best gifts um, that I was able to give myself and also try to share with others is that it's okay. You know, Um, I have a lot of people in my group who's, uh, they share about their parent passing away who was abusive or neglectful and they always feel guilty for not doing whatever, not making it happen, not that they could, you know, but they'll have a sense of relief and they'll feel bad for feeling relieved. And then they'll also feel bad for not fixing it when it was never their responsibility to fix it. So I try to tell them like, it's, and this is just an example. It goes for a ton of things, but it's, it's okay to feel relief that you're not being abused anymore. And it, and that door is shut forever and also miss what could have been like both. You know, and the same thing ending holiday events with seeing extended family. Um, you know, we have to take care of our own selves and our own families first. If if it's not a healthy environment that we're, we've been invited to, then we may need boundaries. And that goes on a scale. It could be a time restriction. You know, you may go for half of the time. Or it could be that 
it's just not good, a good space for your family. And um, I don't know about other countries, but in the, in the U.S., we are so pressured to have this picturesque family get together on Thanksgiving and Christmas where everybody comes together and pretends like there's nothing in, wrong in the world. And all the pictures go up on Facebook. And then the people who don't have that get online and they scroll and they feel heartbroken because they don't have that. But nobody in those pictures has a perfect family, right? And those families go home and have to recover from that get together too, just like anyone else. <laughs> but the comparison is so the thief of joy, you know? And so. Oh, so good. I just Look. want people to recognize what they need, what's best for them, their children, uh, their spouse, and find what works for you, right? So, so will you level set for our listeners, Haley? So somebody who might be listening right now, how would you define a boundary and why are they important, especially if you have a family who's dysfunctional in any capacity? Right. So this is my favorite, my favorite thing to teach about boundaries. And I say this probably once a day. There is a misconception, especially from the outside when you're trying to set a boundary, that it's punishment. People get it backwards. A boundary is for protection. It's not a punishment, right? So there's the two Ps, and you have to remember it's for protection, and you can you can tell anyone else that. Um, we often get accused of punishing others, punishing our children, punishing our parent, punishing our grandparent, whatever it is. Um, it is for protection. Another misconception is that a boundary is for controlling other people. And that could not be more opposite of the truth. It could not, it could not be further from the truth. A boundary has nothing to do with controlling anyone else and has everything to do with setting a, a limit on what you can and cannot or will or will not tolerate for yourself. And so a lot of people especially when someone's new in my group, I'll see them say, I gave my mom the boundary of having to call her grandchildren once a week to stay involved. That's not a boundary, right? That, that's, and it's sad because that's an effort to like force the relationship and that's what it's done with good intentions, but that is not a boundary. A boundary sounds more like something you tell yourself. You don't even have to share your boundaries with, with them because a lot of times that causes conflict, right? So if I were in that position, I would say, if there is no effort made for my children, then we're not going to extend effort without it being reciprocated, right? That's a boundary. And so it's never about control. Um, and once people figure that out and figure out that it is solely about self-protection, it's like building a bubble around yourself so that you cannot be hurt, right? So we give ourselves limitations. So for the holidays, that would look like telling yourself, I'm willing to help my mother in the kitchen until she gets critical or screams at me, right? Then I'm out. And you have to you make help for that, Haley. Like, do you say to your mom or is it safe to say to your mom if she's toxic or, you know, will impose things on you? Hey, I, I'm, I want to be here. I want to cook with you in the kitchen. I'm excited about that. But when you raise your voice or when you begin to criticize me, I'm going to back away or I'm going to move away. So in my case, personally, I tried those kinds of things for a long time, but I'm fully estranged now. But 
I recognize that full estrangement is not for everyone, right? And so I try to encourage anyone to start who's never, especially those who have never set a boundary in their lives, Mm -hmm. to start taking care of themselves in small steps, in small ways. You don't ever have to tell your parent, hey, this is what I'm doing. Like I I have several in my group that um, have to live with their parents because of the financial state of things right now, right? And so they have to be in the same home, which makes it a million times more difficult with anyone, right? And so um, I have to tell a lot of these women that you can stand there until you're blue in the face asking someone not to mistreat you and they may never change, right? But we have to be the ones to change and to demonstrate what we will and not tolerate, will and will not tolerate. And it doesn't have to be a big, huge blow up or conflict. But when this comes up and it's hurting you and you've asked before, hey, I don't want to talk about this or hey, let's move on to the next thing. When they don't respect that, you have to physically remove yourself. So if they live there, it's like, okay, go for a walk. Just walk away. Don't let the, don't continue listening. Let them talk to the walls, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of times, especially in the context of dysfunction, the likeliness that they're going to hear you and change is not super high just by you asking them. But a lot of times you can show people what you will and won't tolerate. And eventually they may conform to not bringing it up because do they want to sit there by themselves or do they want to move on to another topic and be able to enjoy time with you? Right. So I'm hearing so far four really actionable things that people could do or consider, right? In practicing a boundary, one might just be a time restriction, right? Like I'm going to go for Thanksgiving, but you know, my spouse and I decided we're only going to stay for an hour and a half. Or the second thing I heard is what, what I'll label behavior noticing, right? Like I'm going to engage and stay as long as my mom or my dad or my sister, whoever it is, is not engaging in X behavior. But once I start to feel emotionally unsafe, I'm removing myself. Right. Um, the third thing I, I heard you say is not just behavior noticing, but feeling noticing, which gosh, Haley, I think you do such a great job acknowledging this with your, your group, because so many people have been told that their feelings aren't right or that they're too much, or they shouldn't pay attention to their own feelings. But you're also saying as a third actionable thing, right? You can also just notice how you're feeling. If you don't feel safe, if you feel dysregulated, if you feel, you know, unheard, that's also an indicator that you may need to remove yourself. And then what was number, was that number four? And then number four was you have the right to just not do, right? Like you could decide this isn't what my family needs. And a lot of part of that, that you can say no. Mm -hmm. Um, The point that I get together or, and and I know you're going to have another guest coming up that's talking about, um, business and things in that capacity but in any aspect of your life the moment that something is taking more than it's pouring into you is sucking the life out of you is the moment the exact moment that it's okay to step away from it you know it's so funny you say that um in 2021 i decided uh, you know we were 
a year into the pandemic, there was so much emotional exhaustion going on personally, professionally. So 2021, my resolution was, I am not going to work harder than other people in relationships any longer. Yes. yes. And isn't it a weight off your chest when it actually happens? Oh my you God. don't brings until you're in the middle of it. So you're doing it. Yes. Yes. And the thing is like, what I realized for myself is it's not an all or nothing, right? Because relationships have ebbs and flows. And there are times where I give more than what I'm getting, or I need more than what I'm able to put out. But, but if it's never reciprocated, that's where the issue is. Yes. And, and that's, that was so freeing for me, Haley, that was to give myself permission as I'm sure you know, right? Like for yourself and for so many of the people that follow you, I'm a natural helper. Oh yeah. A nurturer. A nurturer. And I think for a lot of people in your community, not only are they naturally that way, but they've been conditioned to be that way. 100%. Trained to be that way. Yes. Yeah. Trained to be that way. Yeah. From a, from adolescence, from the age that our brains were developing, right? So it's literally programmed into us, the emotional reactions we have, the physical reactions we have, even just the thought of upsetting uh, someone you care about when you've been trained that you're responsible for their emotions can give your body a physical reaction. You know, you can, you can get sweaty palms, you can get headaches, you can clench your teeth, you can have uh, accelerated pulse. There's a, a number of things when we're trying to be responsible for other people's emotions. And that's really hard. So another thing that's important if you're setting boundaries for the first time is grounding practices. Um, Because the first time you set a boundary, especially if it's someone that is explosive or that you know is going to have a problem with you shortening your visit or not being there or not, or staying out of the kitchen this year for the first time or whatever it may be, your body may send you all of the red flags telling you that this is dangerous, that we shouldn't be doing this, that this is wrong, but our bodies lie to us when we're traumatized. Mm. So a lot of times a red flag to us feels like a green flag, right? Because we were taught that this is what love is. This behavior, this treatment that we grew up with, this, 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 uh, this environment is normal. And that is how we're supposed to be loved. So when we step out of that, it feels wrong, right? So if you start feeling these things, it's important to be able to catch yourself and respond rather than react. And sometimes, especially with trauma survivors, it takes a minute for our logic to catch up with our emotion and our physical reaction, right? And so um, I'm really big on getting outside. And I know that's a nature, you know, woo-woo thing maybe for some, but that's my personal thing. Everybody has their own personal stress reliever, right? And so it's really important to incorporate that, <clears throat> whatever it may be. Yeah, let me let me give some other examples to people. So I think grounding is really important, right? And I, I want everybody to hear what Haley just said, which is when you've experienced trauma, people's behavior that's really toxic or dysfunctional can seem normalized. 
right? Like it's okay to be yelled at. It's okay to be made to feel guilty. It's okay for people to threaten emotional um, withdrawal from, from you or blame you when things aren't going well or right. And so we, we get conditioned out of paying attention to our bodies, right? Um, don't pay attention to how you feel. Don't pay attention to what that's like in your tummy. Don't pay attention to what that's like in your heart. And I think what Haley's saying that's really lovely is go outside, take a minute, go to the bathroom, uh, make up a, a, a phone call that you need to have with your spouse, whatever, whatever you need to do to just give yourself a minute to decide how do I want to respond right now in a way that's genuine to me, because what I'm feeling right now is valid. I feel overwhelmed. I feel sad. I feel gaslit. I feel guilty. I feel whatever the, that's a normal feeling to what's going on here. And how do I want to respond to that? And I think for people, that's a practice that takes time, Haley. I mean, how long do you think that it takes for like, how long did it take you to develop that cue of like, oh, I'm distressed and oh, I got to pay attention to that. You know, I think the timeline is different for everybody. I see some people who have like this light bulb moment and then it just kind of takes off rather quickly from there. And I see some people that make no progress for years at a time and then and then eventually it just clicks one day. And I see people who slowly walk through the steps. Um, and I feel like I was probably the one that was like, okay, denial, 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 begging for love, begging for love, begging for love. And then finally, that's it. I'm done. And when I was done, I was done, truly done. Um, but there are so many different ways to go about it. I think it's so important. One of the big um, turning points for me in healing was recognizing that my my flags were crossed, that my red flags felt like green flags and my green flags felt like red flags. And so when I stood up for myself and my body went crazy, anxiety skyrocketing, and I felt like this is wrong, I need to turn around, I need to fix this. I had to stop myself and that once I was able to stop myself and say, no, just because it feels wrong doesn't mean it is taking care of me. Um, that's when things started getting better. And honestly, I see for a lot of people that you have to be ready to make the jump to do what's best for you, regardless of how it affects other people. And sometimes, all, all, I would almost say all of the time, that is not going to feel good right off the bat. So you have to be willing to sit in the mud with it. You have to be willing to say, I'm going to make this decision. The sky's going to fall and I'm going to sit and wait and see how I feel when the storm passes. Oh, I love that. You know, and because a lot of the time you don't feel good until you have protected yourself for more than a week or a month. When I see people that go this, okay, I sent, let's say, for example, um, Someone sets a boundary with their parent. Um, we'll just go full estrangement because that's what I have personal experience with. I have to move on from this relationship. I love you, but this is not healthy for me, right? So you cut them off and you um, are attacked immediately, not only from the other person, but from yourself, right? You feel all the crushing emotions, the guilt, the grief. Grief is a huge one because the moment you cut that relationship off, you have to accept that you're basically an orphan, that you've orphaned yourself, right? 
So you have to grieve as if you've lost completely. Cause if you don't do that, you're not going to heal. Like if that's your decision, then you have to let yourself feel all the feels in order to get to the healing part. Right. So it feels horrible. It feels like the worst day of your life for a lot of people when you set that boundary. But a lot of times, especially if it, if those people that you're cutting off are providing an unsafe environment for you, physically unsafe. Yes, it feels awful when you do it, but ultimately over time, that's where recovery begins. And so, you know, it's just so complex and it's not just, that's just an example. Um, that goes for the same with holiday things too, whether it's, we'll go, I keep going back to the kitchen thing. You may feel horrible for telling someone that you're not going to sit in the kitchen this year or you'll watch TV with the guys or you're going to go for a walk or whatever it may be. It may feel like you're the biggest jerk in the world for saying that, you know, but, and they may be upset, but over time you take care of yourself and you're going to feel better and you're going to benefit from not being there. And that may even allow people to enjoy these get togethers more by having these baby boundaries within the get togethers. Mm -hmm. Um, so say everyone stays together till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. You have to drive um, all the way home and then be at work the next day. It's okay to say we're leaving after dinner. And it's okay for other people to not be thrilled about that. <laughs> you know what? You get to go to bed and not be exhausted at work on Friday, right? And so here's, I don't know. The thing that you're saying that I think is so powerful that I want people to hear is that sometimes our, sometimes we'll have a response that we need to lean into and acknowledge the sadness or the grief. But sometimes we're having a conditioned response that we have to just pause and say, you're feeling horrible. You're feeling guilty right now. I know it feels bad because you were conditioned to feel horrible. Let the storm pass. And then the other thing that you just said so beautifully was it, other people will be okay if they're disappointed. Like that's about them. And yeah. I think, if you've been conditioned to be a caretaker, if you've been conditioned to be the, the emotional safety person for your family, the emotional mascot, as you called it, that feels really hard at first to, to be like, okay, I'm going to do this knowingly that I'm disappointing my family here or disappointing members of my family. And you let all the stick go and everybody goes haywire then you're going to feel responsible because you've been trained to feel responsible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But those that we were talking about the journey of healing and a lot of people get stuck as soon as they'll try to set a boundary, they will set a boundary for themselves. We're going to leave. If I get yelled at, I'm going to hang up the phone. If I get yelled at, they do that. And then the negative emotion, the guilt, the anxiety, the worry, all these things they've been trained to feel sinks in. And then what do we do? We go right back to the top of the cycle where we, you know, we'll kiss up, we'll, we'll smooth things over. We'll say we were sorry for upsetting them. Like we will apologize to the people that hurt us for protecting ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that is wild, but that's how deep this goes, right? So I, I would encourage anyone who feels negative feelings while trying to take care of themselves. I would encourage you to sit with them, to sleep with them, 
and to let things die down before you make any big moves. Because the biggest gift you can give yourself is the ability to respond over react. I love that. And, and I, I think what you're saying is if you give your nervous system, just a little bit of a chance to, to settle again, right? All of those feelings that just got stirred up and conditioned in you. If you just give yourself, you leave the dinner early, you go home, you've been well rested. You can work the next day without feeling dysfunctional. See how your body feels. Check in then. Oh, and another thing, um, if you have trouble accepting that something is not good for you, or if you have trouble validating yourself on setting a boundary or taking care of yourself, look at it as if it's your best friend in the world who's asking you if it's okay to leave her mother's Thanksgiving a couple hours early to get the kids in bed at bedtime. If it sounds like a normal thing and it's not absurd in another family or in another situation, then you have to apply that to yourself and understand that no matter how chaotic it feels within, there's nothing wrong with leaving and going to bed early because you're tired. Like, I love here. So here's another actionable thing to try as we're navigating these boundaries, especially like you said, the initial baby boundaries. And that is maybe I enlist the help of my partner or spouse. Maybe I say, like, if I'm married, I might say to my husband, look, this is what I think I'm capable of tolerating. And then after that, we need to go. That's going to be really hard for me. I need some help there. Or I love your idea. If you, if you're not partnered, you, you may have a friend who you have a beautiful connection with and checking in with that person later and saying, this is what I did. And it felt horrible. Um, but I'm checking in with someone who I know I'm not in a toxic relationship with. And then that person will be like, oh my gosh, good for you and celebrate you, yeah. which is for me. And that's a huge gift of counselors, therapists, psychologists, all of you guys that that's where that validation that's so needed to help you trudge through these things is so important. That's why I'm so pro mental health, professional mental health. I mean, cause that is a huge motivator in moving, but to what you were saying, um, the few times since estrangement that I've had to be in the same room with my abuser. Um, I had a cousin with me who was able who understands, knows the story, was able to come with me and watch my face or even from across the room, just keep an eye out. I don't know how many times I've been standing there and almost gotten cornered into a conversation and that cousin could walk over and be like, hey, come with me, I gotta show you something. Or hey, come look at this. They could interrupt and protect you mm -hmm. or can't bring anyone with you uh, to an event this holiday season then have a friend or someone you know and trust who knows you well um, be ready to call you or text you. Uh, there's your escape if you need it. Mm -hmm. you know, things get ugly and you need to get out of there without other people blaming you or guilting you or whatever. You can always have a fallback with a friend. Yeah. So I think hopefully what you're hearing from Haley is that any of these boundaries that are really about, first of all, protection and second of all, setting limits for yourself that protect you could be time restrictions, noticing behavior, noticing feelings, or just not doing. But we're also acknowledging that for several of you, this may be hard to start with. So that's when you could enlist a friend, enlist another family member, enlist your partner 
to be able to give you permission and space and grace and love to say, it's so, you know, I'm here, I'm noticing your nonverbal behavior. We're going to do this together, right? Um, it's like a buffer. And you can yeah. also have code words, you know, text your spouse, got to go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And all the things, hey, we got to go see my parents now. And then, you know, you're out of there. Yep. I love that. Just enlisting right. a little bit of buffer. Okay. So fast forward. Um, I know a lot of your audience knows this, but but just for my listeners too, you have a beautiful family, um, you and your husband and son. Um, what, what do holidays look like now for, for you all? Like how, how do you, and how do you explain boundaries to your son in different ways? So those are two big questions. Okay. The first one was what do holidays look like for me? So, um, we have bonus family on top of my husband's family and part of my family. So we're always invited to, and a lot of moms will resonate with this. Uh, we're always invited to multiple events within one to two days yeah. that are set apart and almost physically impossible. And for years, I would make it happen, right? I would go here, 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 here to make everybody happy. But the thing was, I still couldn't make anybody happy because nobody was happy with the amount of time they were getting with us. And we were killing ourselves trying to go everywhere and be everything to everyone. And that is not possible. And after doing all of that, people still aren't happy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what we started doing is we started and thankfully we have um, people that are willing to do the weekend before the weekend after that helps a lot. Um, but we've started kind of rotating, like maybe we'll spend uh, Thanksgiving this year with with one of my husband's parents or and then the next year with the other side or with my part of the family that I still am in contact with. So we'll rotate. Um, one wonderful thing is that my husband's mother, my mother-in-law, um, she'll actually come to our house on Christmas morning. A huge deal for me. And, you know, a lot of families, it's it's the matriarch's home you go to, right? Or the patriarch. Everyone goes to the grandmother's house. Yep. You know, you're expected to be until that's no more. And then you take on the responsibility, right? Um, but I remember kind of going from house to house when I was a kid. And I wanted my son to be able to enjoy Christmas Day and not spend it in a car, right? Yeah. Um, I wanted him to be able to not only open his gifts at home, but play with them, you know, hang out, bake cookies, eat, have hot chocolate, whatever. It's supposed to be a holidays is supposed to be about time with your people. Your people may not even be blood related, but it's supposed to be about time with your people. Right. And so, um, I got a little kickback from a few people when I said I'm staying home for Christmas because even the people that that love you and are not per se dysfunctional are still going to be sad when you're not over there at 9 a.m. to do the tradition that's been followed for the last 50 years or whatever it is, right? Um, but if you stick to your guns, like I think it's been the past three years maybe that we've done Christmas morning here and it's the best thing ever. Mm. We get, we let 
our kiddo do his presents. We wait for the in-laws to come. I make a breakfast casserole. I stay for an hour or two and then go. And we have the rest of the day, you know. We may go do something with other family on Christmas Eve or the weekend before or after. Actually, we're, we're usually off some for Christmas week. So you can still see family if you can't see everyone in one day. You can still see, say, hey, we're going to come this weekend or we're going to come next weekend. And if they're upset about that, that's a them thing. At the end of the day, this is, and yes, it's a special holiday. These are special holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, but they are days on a calendar, right? You can, you can do the exact same thing on Wednesday, the week of Thanksgiving, as you can on Thursday. And in fact, if you can get people on board with that, then you can actually enjoy full days with in each place if that's what you're aiming for. <laughs> so. Here, here's what I love about what you just said about Christmas morning, Haley. And I, I want people to hear this journey of healing for you, which is you had a lot of toxic messaging about who you should be and who you should take care of. And then you decided, you know what? I'm going to just go again. Like everybody's telling me where I should be and running around and in the car all the time. But my nervous system wants to just be at home with my son on Christmas morning. And at first, like you said, there's a lot of like, oh, like, is that going to go okay? And maybe some guilt. And and then you did it. And it sounds like it's been amazing. It was yeah. amazing. It is amazing. I'm, I'm never going to change that. I want my son to grow up and remember Christmas mornings, remember coming out of his own bedroom, remember being able to take his toys outside and play with mom and dad, whatever hang out with the dogs, watch Christmas movies. I don't care. Whatever traditions we make in our home, I want him to remember fondly when he's an adult and want him to be able to do with his children if he chooses to. Um, I've also found that even when I couldn't set a boundary for myself or it wasn't even a thought in my mind, before I was a mom, I would ping pong to all the events, you know, see everybody because that's what you're supposed to do. Um, but something something awakens when you become a mother, as you know, and as any mother listening knows, or fathers. Um, it's a lot easier to look at your child and say, I don't want this for them, than it is sometimes to tell ourselves, I don't want this for me. Yes. And so that's another great exercise for listeners, right? Like as you're navigating the holidays, whatever you celebrate over the next eight to 10 weeks, ask yourself, what do I want for my kids? What do I want for my family? Because even if you can't practice those things for yourself, sometimes we'll do it for people that we love, like our kids or, or our partners. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, that felt so much better. 100%. Awesome. Awesome. And, and, you know, and there is a balance. I mean, I'm not saying that you have to spend the whole day at home either. So if, if you're not in my situation and you're trying to figure out how to find a healthy balance in between pouring yourself out to everyone and putting 100% of the focus on yourself or your child, you can do in the middle. You can say, we're going to spend Christmas morning at home and we'll come over after lunch. We'll come over at two, three, or we'll come over for dinner, you know? Mm -hmm. So you can still go see your people if that's what you want to do. But it's not wrong for you to say, I want a few hours at home. I don't want to jump up, rip open presents and throw everybody in the car in their pajamas. Like, or make my child wait to celebrate his own Christmas until we get home yes. at the end of the sleep in the car or whatever, you know. Um, 
Yeah. Everybody, and the thing is, it's going to be very specific to each individual. There is no blanket statement that you can put out for boundaries. There is not. It is so tailored to how a person feels, what they personally need, you know, how their extended family dynamic works, the location of uh, the different places you're supposed to go. There's so many factors, right? And so I would just encourage everybody, whether big or small, try to set at least one or two boundaries with yourself uh, this holiday season that will benefit you in some way, in some capacity, or that will benefit your child in some capacity. And I think yeah. if you, and maybe if you start small, that you will see the benefits. And if you see the benefits, it'll be a lot easier to take a little bit bigger steps as you go. Yes, so, I, I absolutely agree with that. Start little, see how it feels, right? See how it feels in a day or so, and then you can build from there. Um, I know we're running out of time here, Haley. What, I just have three little rapid fire questions for you. <laughs> What's one thing people get wrong about boundaries? Well, the people who are setting the boundaries um, often feel that they're a negative thing. There's a negative connotation around them uh, as someone who's setting them. And as the person on the receiving end, a lot of the times it feels like rejection, um, shutdown, things like that. Abandonment, especially when you have these, these child wounds, they resurface when this stuff goes on. And so I would say a common misconception about them is that they do have negative connotations and they shouldn't. Because when done right, they're a tool to Absolutely. help them. You know, and, and people who have healthy relationships with you won't see them as bad. They'll see them as healthy and acceptable. Yeah. And, and my closest circle now, we all have our own boundaries and we don't even tell each other about them. It's just something that's understood because we're emotionally mature now, much more than we were before. But like my closest circle, we understand that. Maybe too tired for that phone call tonight. We'll talk next weekend. Or, you know, that's just a friend example. But um, I, I can't adequately find the words to describe how different it is when you're, when you're focused on your relationships with people who have their own boundaries and who respect yours versus people who don't. Yes. It is so massively different, you know. Mm -hmm. And as you set your baby boundaries and you start finding people who accept them and are look at them like it's just another thing, a normal thing, and you lean into those people, uh, you will really benefit. Awesome. Uh, tell our listeners one thing that's giving you joy in your life right now. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, my son, you know, of course, that's the given. Um, he's doing so amazing. And he, he's nine. He's growing into his own personality, which I love seeing. Uh, it's funny because he's a lot like me in a lot of ways and we look very similar or like my baby pictures compared to his. Um, but he is so his own person and I get so much joy out of that. Lately, um, I've had this because he does this new thing every day. He's at that age, that almost preteen age where like they're testing you and testing their limits and testing their safety and you know they've got their voice now and all that so I remember uh my parent telling me I hope you have a child just like you 
as if it were going to be a punishment, right? As if it were going to be ruin my life. And you know what? I do have a child who is just like me in a lot of ways, not identical to me, but he has a strong will. He knows what he wants. You know, he doesn't uh, mind telling you he disagrees with something. All these things that I have, he has in his own way. And I think it's the most awesome thing that he could possibly have. And so I've learned that it, I don't mind having a child like me. I think it's amazing. And I think it's uh, uh, unfortunate that my parent didn't see it that way. But that's what brings me joy is knowing that I did get that and I've broken that cycle. And I'm hoping that it gets to carry on through our family line forever and ever. Oh my gosh. And I just want to say as a friend of yours and as a believer in all the healing and work that you do for yourself and other people, when you said he's his own person, I thought, yeah, he is. And he gets to be celebrated for that because you've broken cycles and it's amazing. So, okay. Last question. Um, I ask all my guests, um, it's 11 o'clock at night or whenever you have an evening food craving, what do you reach for Haley? Oh my gosh. Lately it's been Nutella and strawberries. It's so good. <laughs> so bad for you, but I can justify it because strawberries are fruit, you know? <laughs> right. Well, and Nutella has some hazelnuts in it. It's got some protein. <laughs> Healthy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Burn it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Haley. For those of you that don't know about Haley yet or don't follow her, um, I will put all the links in the show notes so that people can go on and hear your story and find the community that you provide people. You provide grace and space for people that are hurting so much, Haley, tens of thousands of people in this world that you serve. And I'm grateful that you have a space for them. Thank you so much for the hard work that you do every single day showing up for people. Well, I appreciate you so much. And I love, love, love collaborating with you. I told you before we started recording, but you're, you're my biggest inspiration. So the fact that you have me on is a, is a honor. And so I just want to say thank you. And thank you to everyone for taking the time out and listening to us today. You know, we, we covered a lot, <laughs> a lot. So hopefully they'll go into holidays feeling a little bit more grounded. Thanks Haley. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, that's it friends. If you like what you're hearing here, please download my free resource called 10 Guiding Principles to Nurture Connection and Help Children and Families Thrive. This is the most important medicine. Keep listening to other people's stories and let them transform you. And keep sharing yours because your humanity will heal others. Bye for now.